It's just after 8 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub with three locations. One on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the Strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non-invasive scan today. Day for peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com. And by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. now. All right, KT, Throwback Thursday, and man, we're throwing it way back tonight. I mean, we got a couple of the elder statesmen in studio, PSBR Law Studios, of course, PSBR Law, the best in personal injury in SoCal for a long time here in the Vegas Valley, now year number four, over three and a half billion verdicts and settlements for their clients the last decade. Doesn't get much better than that. Strength by your side, the relentless pursuit of justice. You got the 702 down for Vegas. You may not need that number now, but you may need it in the future. Jot it down, 830-9353, 830-9353, And if you're paying attention to the old Alec Baldwin case, yes, the old Russ case, a little involuntary manslaughter coming up. I will just tell you that Brian Panish, PSBR Law, representing the Hutchins family, Elena Hutchins, the lady that was uh, shot and killed. So... All I could say is uh, good luck, Alec. All right. Uh, KT here on a throwback Thursday. Andy Isco at Vegas Andy 7-Eleven. Mike Scalliott. I mean, you talk about a throwback Thursday. This guy. I mean, I remember reading the Review Journal back when Humans was running the hot corner and all that stuff. I'm like, who is this guy? This guy's pretty good NFL. I mean, then I met him. And I was like, how is this guy winning all these games? Who is this joker? He's a Yankee fan. He's from Pennsylvania. I don't get it. Who is this joker? But Mike is an old school guy like Andy Isco. These guys, they're old school enough that they remember grabbing the Sunday sports page and memorizing all those little box scores during the week. But then on Sunday, getting where they had all the American League and National League batting averages of every guy down to the guys like, uh, what was it, uh, Who's the, the line? Mendoza, Mario Mendoza line, down around 200. These guys, they knew them all. And they go back a little further than me, about a decade further than KT. But these guys are on top of it. So knowledge, not as deep as Chicago Bill. I know he's out there listening with Joanne. But Chicago Bill is a little older than these guys. He's a South Sider, of course. Andy Isco, Long Island guy. Mike is a big PA guy, but he's a Yankee diehard. And we welcome them both to SportsX Radio on a throwback Thursday. AI, great to see you, my man. Yeah, good to be back here. Nice to uh, have uh, enjoyed some dinner with you and Mike this uh, this evening. We've had some nice 
good conversation with uh, four big games coming. Six down, seven to go before the end of the uh, 2022 season, and uh, it should be entertaining to talk about it tonight. All right. Meanwhile, Mike Scaliot, man, I'm telling you, this guy, top of the line. Now, not only is he sharp as far as the NFL, because he's one of these guys that that, I mean, there's certain sports that he does. He doesn't try to pick all the different sports and act like he knows them all, but the ones he knows, very successful, makes some good money. And of course, many times in the review journal for that little NFL write-up, very successful in the super contest over the years, but a PA boy that fell in love with the New York Yankees way back when. Mike, tell us a little bit about that, but first of all, Welcome back to SportsX Radio. It's been a while since we had you in studio. And I will let you folks know the reason he is in studio is because KT, of course, shooting off his mouth before the beginning of the year. And Scally was in studio. And KT, of course, what are you kidding me? You know the Raiders are going over eight and a half. What are you, what? They're not? Okay, we'll go 500. And I'm right there on the air. So I didn't even remember. I knew I bet Powers 1,000 and had another couple dimes on it myself. But uh, Scally jumped on me for 500. So I got that little text about a week ago or two weeks ago, and it's like, hey, KT, uh, you can't make it to the uh, nine games anymore. Uh, what do you say we meet at the bar where you and Isco always go for pot roast? I'm like, all right, I'll be there. He's like, uh, yeah, don't forget the uh, the nickel. And I'm like, uh, the nickel? He's like, yeah, the 500. I'm like, God dang it, another bet I forgot I made. But, of course, Mike, very honest guy. And had I forgotten and had I had won the bet, Scally would have been one of the guys texting me going, all right, I'll be down to give you the money. Mike, it is great to see you, and uh, then you can let everybody know a little bit about how you became a big-time Yankees fan growing up in Pennsylvania way back when. Thanks for all that, Ken. It's nice to be with you and Andy again, uh, uh, reminiscing uh, some old sports games over our pot roast dinner, which was great. Well, when I grew up in Hazleton, Pennsylvania, in the late 50s, WPIX Channel 11 out of New York was on every afternoon, so I'd be... uh, on the couch there listening to uh, Red Barber, Mel Allen, and I became a Yankee fan because, like I said, they were on a lot of a lot of games were on TV. Uh, the Phillies back then, you'd see them now and then on the weekends, even though I was a Pennsylvania guy. And then I fell in love with Mantle and had the pleasure of meeting him and Maris one day in, a, in the Manhattan Hotel in New York one afternoon, me and my brother knocked on the door. Uh, the bellman told us they had a room there, and they signed a ball for me. And that ball has since gone who knows where. It's probably worth a lot of money today, but that's that's past history. And then, like you're saying, back then there was 16 teams, eight American, eight national. You knew all the players. You knew the lineups. I'd have the TV on, and I'd have the a radio with the plug in my ear, listening to another game, and and then I'd go to bed at night and listen. I could pick up KMOX out of St. Louis, and I'd follow the St. Louis Hawks with Bob Pettit was the first guy I ever really knew when it came to basketball, so I became a Hawks fan. But uh, So you must remember the 1960 World Series. Absolutely. I was walking home from Catholic school with my radio when uh, Mazeroski hit the home run, Andy. I could have threw the radio if I, if I didn't need it so bad. God, I was born in 61. Why couldn't I have been around in 60? That would have been like a holiday for me, Mazeroski. I mean, the Yankees outscored him, what, by 30, 40 runs in that series? Oh, some games were yeah. 16. That one hit got him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that one home run because he wasn't like a big, you know, three hundred hitter or not nothing, but he did in that game. But that was the game where Kubek, the ball hit him in the throat. He came out. That was a double play ball that could have changed the game, maybe. But there were scores, Kenny, like ten one, yeah, sixteen three, crushing him. They were crushing him. But the mistake Casey made game one, he didn't pitch Whitey. I forget who started game one. 
But we could look that up at some time. But he didn't start Whitey, and I think that was a mistake because they lost game one. And Whitey was their key guy for many years. Who gave up the home run to Mazeroski? Ralph Terry. No, Bill, uh, no, um, Bob Turley. Bob Turley, right? There you go. I, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, man. You were alive. I wasn't I even alive. Andy, Bob Turley. I, I, I think Ralph Terry was originally thought to have done it, but I forget the name of the player. It was, it was not Bob Turley. Turley, Turley's was Stafford. Cincinnati. Was it Stafford? Stafford, I think, was the one that it might have been. But Turley did pitch for the Yankees. Isco was yeah, too busy much. booking bets in elementary school. I wasn't in elementary school at the time. Where were you? Kindergarten. Oh, okay. He's I was a, booking bets in kindergarten. Right, get it right. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Too. Get it right. right. <laughs> I'm the old statesman of the group. How about Kevin? Ralph Terry? Ralph Terry. He was on the mound when uh, McCovey hit the line drive to Richardson and left Willie standing no, on the base. No, he was the one. Right. Game seven. He, he was the one. No, but he's the one that gave it up to Mazeroski. Okay. Well, that's what I said originally, Ralph Terry. But he was pitching in game seven when, when McCovey hit the line drive to Richardson. That was in 62. 62. Willie's, Willie rounded third, and he was going to try Maris's arm, but he didn't. He should have took a shot, but he didn't. It, yeah. was, it was Ralph Terry, and I remember the announcers, and this, uh, this uh, for, for, in retrospect, because I wasn't paying attention. I was too young to understand baseball <laughs> time. I think they originally credit, said it was Art Dittmar on the mound, and then uh-huh. it was corrected later on, and then it was Ralph Terry. Things go full circle. Now he's too old to understand baseball, but... <laughs> Anyway, it is great to see you, Andy, even though I can't see you because i got the two computer screens right in front of me, which is great to uh, Thank you know, not have to look at Isco. Favors. Yeah, exactly, no doubt. Uh, it should be a fun show. Now, Mark Hoke and I, of course, uh, Mark's a North Dakota State graduate, and we had an interview uh, about 10 days ago, somewhere in that neighborhood, with John Stigelmeyer, Coach Stig, South Dakota State. Of course, they get their first championship, FCS. And then, uh, you know, it was fun for, for Mark to chime in and uh, ask some questions and whatnot. And, you know, Brad Power's question was, you know, KT, ask him how long he's going to be around because he's, you know, mid-60s now. And Coach Stig, you know what? When my wife tells me it's time to hang it up, that's when I'll hang it up, but not until then. I guess she mentioned it's uh, time to hang it up. Must have mentioned that this morning because Coach Stig announced his retirement and – uh I texted back to a couple of the guys that connected me as far as the interview, and Mark Hoke and I may have done the last interview while Coach John Stigelmeyer was still the so active basic, head coach. So you're basically saying you, dro- you drove him out of football. Well, you know what? I, that wasn't me. It was the North Dakota State guy on the other end. That was it. He's like, you know what? I'm going to make sure I walk out on top. You know, I'm not going to be Michael Jordan and come back and play for the Wizards. I'm going to come out. I'm going to walk out on top with that championship right there. Like Jordan could have done that after hitting that shot over Russell and walked away. But no, he had to come back and glutton for punishment and kind of, you know, wasn't uh, much to watch later on in his, in his years there with the wizards. But nonetheless, coach Stig, thank you for that interview. We hope to get him on. I texted him. He said he'd be happy to come on uh, anytime. He really enjoyed uh, because John, I mean, uh, Mark and I, of course, did our homework and coach John Stigelmeyer appreciated that. And of course, Mark, has followed, you know, FCS football a long, long time. And, of course, he going to North Dakota State, which has been the powerhouse in FCS football for a long, long time, Division Two before that, and uh, 1AA, I believe, before that. But but great times and uh, good stuff, Mark Hoke. Brad Powers actually listened back to the archive today and said it was outstanding and uh, thought it was one of the better interviews that uh, KT and Mark Hoke have combined on. So good job by my producer, By, by the Mark way, Hoke. Ken... 
you should have made a bet with uh, with Mark that uh, if uh, North, if South Dakota State uh, won, uh, they would send a T-shirt to Mark and he'd have to wear it to the studio for like two weeks. Well, yeah, that would have been nice. Now, I, I, I don't think Mark noticed that KT did wear in honor of the uh, Coach Stig retirement. KT's got the nice, beautiful polo, uh, powder blue nice polo shirt. with the pinstripes, the white pinstripes, and the little uh, South Dakota State logo there. Little jackrabbit logo there, and uh, just wore that in honor of Coach Stig walking away, and of course wanted extra attention on it. I'll tweet out some pictures later. It's even with my it, good it's, pal Mark Hoke. It's better than anything in my wardrobe, even with the uh, ketchup stain. There you go. Now I did not iron it on. This was a gift years ago, and uh, my good pal Scott Nagy. I mean, he was my pal at least at South Dakota State. Tonight he's not my pal because I bet on him against you know with Wright State at home. And they couldn't close the deal. They end up losing at home. So I uh, lost to the Mastodons of IUPU, or, uh, Indiana Fort Wayne, Indiana Purdue Fort Wayne, IPFW. So we'll get to college basketball scores, all that good stuff. I will go to that Richard Badge and Finley Toyota out of town scoreboard before we take our first break. Update the games that are going. Nets up 14 big ones on the Nets at halftime. Phoenix's uh, Suns up on the uh, Nets, 65-51 game in Phoenix. Nets actually a three-and-a-half-point road favorite, 220-and-a-half your total. 57-34, all Sixers. Mark Hoke has his paycheck on this game, and it's looking good. He's only laying one. They're up 23 on Dame Lillard and the Blazers at the half. 57-34. to My goodness. Sometimes you see these scores, you're like, who's playing? Two guys? I mean, unbelievable. Uh, go down to the college hardwood. we got some good late action, at least on the schedule. Got a game in overtime. If you laid the four with La Tech against Western Kentucky, you're going to cover the four. They're up 11 with five seconds to go in OT. 85-74 total, 142.5 game gets over because of the extra five minutes. Go on down. Irvine leads Hawaii, 51-42. Isco has uh, two of his paychecks on that game. He's got, or what do you got, Irvine? Minus two and a half? Two. Minus two. You're up nine, 51-42, 9.46 to go at the Bren Center. Santa Barbara had a huge lead, but it's down to nine. They're laying 16 to Northridge. Lead the Matadors, 47-38, 11-17 to go second half. UC San Diego, the Tritons, leading the Mustangs of Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Uh, Deneen, you better get down from Reno and uh, see if you have any eligibility left. Get in there and shoot some threes there for your alma mater. 50-48, to 48, UC San Diego leads it. Again, 942 to go second half. And Long Beach State at the pyramid, only a one-point lead on the Titans of Cal State Fullerton. So it was cool because Cal State Fullerton did play uh, UC San Diego last week, and it was the Tritons against the Titans. That would have been fun for a play-by-play guy. All right, uh, Seattle U leads Tarleton State 33-26, 10-59 to go second half. 33-26. What is the Pete Carrillo around again with oh, these scores? And uh, here's a good score. Arizona State 12, UCLA 11. 6.34 to go in the first half in Tempe. That's a very low-scoring game, but KT's plus five with ASU, so they'll take it. Uh, Sam France 7-6 out of the gate, seven minutes in against Pacific. And now update Arizona State 15-13 over UCLA, 5.43 to go. Santa Clara jumping on BYU out of the gate, five and a half minutes in, 9-2. Broncos lead it at Bronco Gym over the uh, boys from Provo. St. Mary's up seven over at Firestone in Malibu against Pepperdine, 15-8. Minus 12 with the uh, Gales. Maybe the best team in that WCC in Stanford, 13-9 at Maples Pavilion, up on top of Oregon State early. 11.47 to go first half there. Let's check into the uh, Gonzaga game because that was nip and tuck. At home, they were struggling, and they lose. They lose outright at home, Gonzaga, to Loyola Marymount. 
Let's see. I got to get. I, I should call Bo Kimball right now. What a great win for the Lions. Go up to Gonzaga. And Andy, they led that game wire to wire. Line open 16 and a half, closed at 16. But for Loyola Marymount to hold on and get the W at Gonzaga in Spokane, that is impressive. So I recall, didn't they struggle uh, in a game a couple of nights ago? Was it San Francisco or somebody they beat? I think it was San Francisco. They beat by like two after trailing much of the way. Yep. This, this Gonzaga team throughout the season does not have the same, or they're not playing as well as was expected of them before the season. I think the talent's down a little bit. But, uh, you know, the thing with the Gonzaga, considering the great regular seasons they've had uh, and then uh, not being able to win it all, while they may be disappointed in the loss, I think that this team is focused on postseason play. Whether they're good enough to do it this year, maybe not, but maybe that's what they need. Maybe they need to be the team that's not one of the one or two favorites going into the postseason tournament. There you go. All right, we're going to take a break. By the way, the last game when they were fortunate with a missed free throw and Strother came down and nailed a long three, that was against BYU in Provo. But they did struggle with San Francisco the week before that. Same type outcome on the road. But this one was at home, and that's the shocker. Gonzaga actually had a one-point lead at the half, but LMU, give them credit. They get the W. Timmy had 17 points, just 5 of 12, but Strother just 1 of 8 and 1 of 5 from downtown, 4 of 14 from behind the arc for Gonzaga. They lose at 68-67 at home, and the game staying under the total. Ken Thompson, Andy Isco, my good pal Mike Scalliot, and of course our great producer Mark Hoke, The Mark Hoke Show. 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Sunday mornings. You like professional wrestling. You'll love the Mark Hoke Show. 101.5 FM KDWN. If you have not done so, folks, real easy. I know I got a lot of old school folks, too. Take your time. Go on your phone. Go to the App Store and just download Odyssey. A-U-D-A-C-Y. A-U-D-A-C-Y. If you can't figure it out, give it to one of your kids, grandkids, the paper boy, somebody. I don't know if there are any paper boys anymore, but uh, regardless, give it to somebody younger if you can't figure it out. Odyssey, download it, and then you can listen to SportsX Radio. Just search SportsX Radio or KDWN. Also listen to the Mark Hoke Show that way as well. Live from Vegas, PSBR Law Studios. Coming right back. Got a great show. Keep it right here. In a noisy bar in Avalon, I tried to call you. But on a midnight watch, I realized why twice you ran away. Great song, Crosby, Stills, Nash and & Young, and uh, David Crosby passing away earlier today, 81 years young. Uh, actually uh, lived a hard life and uh, you know got involved in a lot of the drug stuff, had uh, a liver transplant, which was actually paid for by Phil Collins. Wow. And Phil Collins right now not in the best shape himself, uh, but David Crosby passing away, so our prayers with the uh, Crosby family and anybody associated there, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. I know a lot of those guys didn't get along real well after the band broke up. But nonetheless, uh, we appreciate great music. My wife, Christina, of course, uh, 
music teacher for better than two and a half decades, so she knows all the music. I mean, unbelievable, from the classical on up to every genre. Uh, but she texted me earlier today. And uh, Andy Isco and Mike Scalley, you guys are big music guys as well. You both love your sports. You've been to many sporting events, a lot of back-in-the-day great stuff, but music. Mike Scalley, give me a little uh, breakdown. Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, did you see him? I've never seen them, Ken, but I've seen many. I go from Elvis to Sinatra, but Led, Zepp- Led Zeppelin the is my band. How the about the Stones, Stones five times. Five times, there you go. But Zeppelin was my band. Your favorite of all. Like if you had one band. Yep. St- see, you're right there with Christina, my wife, yep. and Zach Wilde, my brother-in-law. Yeah, they were my favorite. I, I seen them in 69 or 70 before Bonham died at the Spectrum where I seen Hendrix, too, a year or so earlier or later before he passed away. On my birthday, no less, nine eighteen, September yeah. 18th. Andy Isco, how about Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, or ever get to see David Crosby? I saw uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Did not see uh, Crosby with the uh, birds. Um, some of the best concerts, I, I've seen Springsteen numerous times. Uh, that's always been one of my favorites. I remember seeing him, actually, New Year's Eve 1975, he had the uh, Born to Run album had just come out after he had two previous albums, and that still the best songs. album for me. I know that a lot of folks like Summer Spirits in the Night, some of the other songs. That, you I, know, I like I like Born in the U.S. Born in the um, yeah Born, Born to Run the, and uh, Born in the USA. Yeah, you know those uh, uh, those uh, those albums. Um, I've seen the Who a number of times. Yeah, I've seen the I've Stones seen once or twice. You know, so a lot of the groups I ne- never got to see the Beatles. So. Nope. I've seen the Beatles at Shea Stadium, August 15th, 1964. There you go. How about that one? How about the Mets were two years old? I love it. Yep. It's back when they won 50 games a year instead of 42. <laughs> yeah, you're Good right, stuff. Ken. Unreal. <laughs> oh, Marv Roger Craig. Roger Craig. Yeah, there you go. Marvelous he'd win, he'd Marv. win 20 games a year. Yeah, Marvelous Marv. Richie Ashburn was in the outfield for Duke them. Duke Schneider in was the beginning. also. In the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Teams now, and the Knights, I guess, are maybe the the best example. Expansion teams in most sports now know how to build a team from their first year. Instead of doing what the what the Mets did, was bring back all the uh, old National Leaguers who used to play for the Brooklyn Dodgers and the New York Giants, and were now in their late mid to late thirties and early forties. Uh, teams now go after draft choices, go after young players, and build for the future. What the what the Knights did it was was obviously an aberration in uh, making the Stanley Cup Finals in their first season. Seattle's just in their second year, yeah. and they're uh, playing extremely uh, good hockey. Uh, they, in fact, they just set an NHL record for most wi- most uh, wins. I think uh, going win- going uh, with with no losses on a road trip, eight straight road wins, and then of course they come back home and lose two straight to uh, yeah. <laughs> I think Tampa Bay and uh, and uh, I think it was Edmonton, but. Uh, uh, most teams now don't do what the New York uh, Mets did back in the early 60s. All right, so speaking of our Golden Knights, I mean, again, at home, no longer. Just don't pay rent. Do not pay rent at T-Mobile any longer because you can't win there. Pretend you're the Phoenix Coyotes. 3-1 to one, Red Wings. The Arizona Coyotes. 448 to go second period. Red Wings lead the Golden Knights in Vegas. Now, hopefully that turns around. If not, Chris Wynn will be doing cartwheels over there at T-Mobile. Uh, again, up three to one. Red Wings, four forty-eight to go in the second period. So still, t- still some time. But Andy Isco talked about it. Let them wear their road jerseys, you know, at T-Mobile because they are not playing but five hundred hockey at home on the road. They're playing eight hundred hockey. So 
it is crazy how sometimes you just can't figure things out because it used to be such a distinct home ice advantage for the Knights. Uh, other games going uh, right now. By the now. way, before you can, I, I sort of joke about wearing the road uniforms, but I would be interested in hearing what like a sports psychologist would say about doing like something, doing something like that to break out of what's been really a season-long slump in performing well at home. Okay. All right. So, Mike, uh, do me a favor. You got any psychologists, uh, sports psychologists we can get on? Not really. All right, just, uh, you know, so I can have somebody sitting where you're sitting next week on Thursday, throwback Thursday, this to accommodate Andy Isco and his wishes. Okay, we'll try and All do right. that for him. There you go. Great he stuff. He goes very deep. You know that. Oh, I, you kidding me? Pen, pen. He's a pen graduate. <laughs> yeah, what do you want? I know. We're uh, jealous, man. We, we are jealous because yeah. we know somehow, some way, Isco is part of that $66 million that's been hidden over there at Penn. That's not what you said at dinner. You were telling me about I was standing six feet deep in, you know, something. All we we know is, look, you guys got the the money. You're part of the alma mater. You you know something, Isco. We know you know. We're going to shake you down later. Uh, four to three, Edmonton leads Tampa Bay. Six thirty-three to go, third period. Washington shutting out Arizona. Minute fifty-three to go, third period. And Tempe four nothing. Capitals. Ovechkin probably having a field day there. Speaking of the Kraken, up two to one on Jersey. Four fifty-seven to go, up in the Great Northwest. That is in the second period. And Dallas three nothing lead the L.A. Kings. Eighteen oh five to go, second period in the City of Angels. We'll keep an eye on that Detroit three-one lead over the Vegas Golden Knights. Earlier tonight, a bunch of games. Final 4-1 Toronto skates past Winnipeg at home. Game stays under. Boston, of course, beats the Rangers 3-1 at Madison Square Garden. Rangers slight favorites, one, minus 108. Total 5.5. That game stays under. Carolina, seven, uh, 5-2. That game hits 7, so that game gets over the 5.5. A, a lot of uh, lower totals tonight. Uh, usually 6, 6.5 is what you're going to see, but a couple 5.5s. Islanders at Buffalo. Buffalo gets the win 3-2. Another game staying under the total of 6. Chicago 4-1 at Philadelphia. Another 5 spot uh, there with a total of 6 as uh, Chicago gets the win in Philly. That won't make Mark Hoke happy losing to the Blackhawks. My goodness. Uh, Florida 6-2. They triple up on Montreal north of the border. 5-3 Anaheim skates past Columbus over there in Ohio. And 5-2 St. Louis skates past Nashville under the arch. And again, we'll keep an eye on those other games. Now, uh, Andy Isco, you and I, first thing you asked me, or, or told me really, more or less you made a statement, KT, I know you had Michigan State. Because you and I probably looked at that line of two, two and a half when it came out, Michigan State against Rutgers at home. And look, Rutgers is a good team. They're ranked in the top 25. Michigan State is not. But still, nonetheless, Izzo, you just figure, at home, going to take care of business. They come off the tough loss against Purdue and uh, lose that one down the stretch, but take care of business here. And when it's 70-57, to 57, pull away. Line went up to three, total 127. How about that? It hit 127, 70-57, the final there. AI, that was one that right away, that was one of the first. I didn't even know, realize it was the early game, but, uh, you know, Michigan State at home, pretty much against anybody in the Big Ten, I'm going to take them if they're laying less than three points. Yeah, and I seem to recall the last time that these teams met. I don't remember if it was earlier this year or last uh uh, it may have been in the uh, the Big Ten tournament last year where Rutgers uh, beat them, and I think they beat them pretty well. So I figured that this would be the kind of game that Izzo would use to get his team uh, back on track. Uh, Rutgers is having a very fine season, and actually if you looked at the stats, you could make a case for Rutgers in this game, but it just seemed to be, you know, the NBA has been incredibly situational-oriented rather than power-rating-oriented in recent years with load management and all that. 
College is still very much a situational, situa- uh, very situational handicap, and this is one of those that fit into one of those profiles that I like to look for. Yeah, the one thing I like about Michigan State, I, I love Joey Hauser. The transfer from Marquette, him and his brother Sam, outstanding. But Joey Hauser, very efficient player, plays within himself. Tonight he only took eight shots, but three of four behind the arc. And Michigan State was 12 of 22 from downtown. Rutgers, 2 of 17. That tells you all you need to know pretty much in most ball games because, like Andy said, Rutgers, they got nine more shots uh, rebounding. They out-rebounded Rutgers by eight. So they won a lot of the other statistics, but that three-point statistic, when it's glaring like that and one team makes ten more threes than the other, normally they're going to win that ball game. 70-57, to nice effort by the Spartans at home. UL Monroe surprises Georgia Southern on the road, went by 13. They were plus eight and a half. <clears throat> game stays under the total. Monmouth had the lead for a while against College of Charleston, but Charleston came back, won the game, didn't cover the big number of 20 and a half. Hawks get the win as far as the money. 69-55, College of Charleston inside the top 25. They get the W. Towson on the road, 79-67, win and a cover. Game goes over against NCA&T. Old Dominion, 70-58, to cover the five. Game stays under by a point, point and a half against Georgia State, 70-58, to your final there. Northern Kentucky played Cleveland State. I had Cleveland State in that game, plus the four and a half. Vikings were leading that game by three. Northern Kentucky cut it to one, but there's only seven seconds left, so they fouled Cleveland State. Cleveland State's, one of their better free-throw shooters, was four of ten going to the line on the evening. He misses the first one, makes the second, so they have a two-point lead. Northern Kentucky comes down, hits a 40-footer at the buzzer, and wins it by a point, 57-56, which I didn't mind because I had the plus four and a half, so I just didn't want overtime. Anytime you've got that lead like that, you want to make sure. Now, uh, Jameer Nelson Jr., back for Delaware. Chuck and I jumped all over. Delaware line went up to six, and uh, 80-53 to the final. He had a nice game in his day. In uh, in coming back, game still stayed under the 136.5. 80-53 was the final there. Charlotte at Middle Tennessee State. Blue Raiders, good second half. They get the win in the cover of the 2.5. They win it by 4. Game stays under the total. James Madison and Troy, a pick'em game. Boy, this is a good one. James Madison wins it at Troy, 89-87. and a half your total. That game must have gone overtime or two. It's not showing here. Northeastern at Stony Brook, minus 2. Huskies get the win by 13. 79-66, game flies over the total. NC Greensboro, 70-60, to beat the Citadel, do not cover the 13-and-a-half. Game also staying under the total. I did lose on Scott Nagy. I talked about this. Wright State, they were down 15 at the half, 51-36. They lose it to the Mastodons, 88-80. to Red Raiders go down at home, minus the 3-and-a-half closing number. So I beat the number, but didn't beat the team that I was playing against. 148-and-a-half was your total game. Gets over by 19-and-a-half points. Mercer, 69-61, beat VMI. Uh, game staying under the total. Mercer covers the five and a half. Drexel by six over Hampton. Do not cover. Game flies over. NC Wilmington Hofstra. This was a close game at halftime. Hofstra blew their doors off second half. 70 to 46. The Pride get the win. Uh, three and laying three and a half at home. They win it by 24. 70 to 46. Game staying under the total. How about Purdue? Andy Zach Eady, seven foot four. This kid, his footwork from last year to this year. I don't want to say night and day, but it's pretty significant as far as the uh, strides that he's made. Seventy to uh, sixty-one to thirty-nine, they beat Minnesota on the road. Minnesota not a good team, but still watching Edie, even in clutch situations on the road. I like the way that he's taking his time, not bringing the ball down low, kind of keeping it up high like Jack Sigma used to do with the Supersonics to make sure the little guys can't knock it away. I think Edie has uh, grown leaps and leaps and bounds in a year. We were talking at uh, dinner about teams that could win the NCAA tournament. One of the teams we did not mention 
of the several that we did was uh, Purdue, and yet they've been very solid throughout the season. And, of course, playing in uh, what appears to be a deep Big Ten for the most part, they're going to be tested night in and night out. So uh, I might put Purdue in that category of teams that certainly could win it. Yeah, and they've got uh, you know several young guys to mix in with Edie uh, Smith and Lawyer, a couple of freshmen, pretty solid as well. But 61-39, the score at halftime, 31-12 to at Minnesota. My goodness, Golden Gophers basketball has really fallen big time and uh, not looking good in the near future. Richard Pitino got out of there and, of course, doing a great job in Albuquerque at New Mexico, right? Uh, Coastal Carol or Maryland, sixty-four fifty-eight. Uh, good game. They had a nice lead on Michigan. Michigan uh, came back. Howard's kid is pretty good. I like watching uh, Michigan, but they struggled big time first half. Sixty-four fifty-eight. Maryland the win to cover. Game stays under. Coastal Carolina won by nine over App State. They were two-point dogs, so they cover in the game. Sales over the total by forty points. Oakland beat IUPUI only by six, laying eleven and a half. So the Jags get the cover at home. One forty-two and a half. Your total game. Uh, goes well over the total. Then Andy and I were on opposite sides. I had Memphis minus 10, but he had Wichita State plus 10.5. Worked out well for him. I got a push. He got a win. 88-78 Memphis at home beat Wichita State. 76-71 Sam Houston State beats Stephen F. Austin. A win, a push of the five, and the game gets over the total. UL Lafayette beat Arkansas State 80-71. to uh, Win, cover, game gets over. Marshall 81-73, win, cover, game goes over. UMKC at North Dakota. North Dakota beats them as two-and-a-half-point home dogs. Beat them by 17. Game gets over the total as well. Southern Miss beat South Alabama and Hattiesburg. Do not cover the six. Win it by four, 76-72. Game gets over the total. Right 72-60 to beat North Texas. Surprise there. North Texas, the mean green, favored by 12. They lose it by 12, 72 to 60. The final there, game does get over the 129 and a half. Florida Atlantic, 83-64, beat Texas San Antonio. Win cover, game gets over. Wisconsin-Milwaukee, win by eight over Robert Morris at home. Win cover, they were laying four, and that game also getting over the total. South Dakota gets buried at home by Denver. The Pioneers surprise them as five-point dogs, win it by 15, 75 to 60. Game stays under the total. Eastern Wash on the road, laying two and a half, win it by eight at Northern Colorado, 83-75. Win cover game gets over the total. South Dakota State laying nine, win it by 23 over Nebraska Omaha, 84 to 61. Win cover game gets over. Texas Arlington, 85 73, beat UT Rio Grande. Win cover game gets over. Oral Roberts, big second half, beat up on North Dakota State, 92 69. I played the old Bison. They were right in that game for a while, but uh, lose by 23 big ones. Game does get over the total. Tennessee Martin wins by 20 at Southeast Missouri State. is six-and-a-half-point dogs. They win it by 20. Game stays under the total. Youngstown State, that's a good Penguins team. Maybe the best team in the horizon. 86-70, they blew out Wisconsin Green Bay. Laying 14-and-a-half, they win it by 16. Game gets over the total by 10 points. Idaho surprises Northern Arizona in Flagstaff. Get the win by five. They were catching five and a half, so they get the win, and the game also flies over the total. Almost done with these games. I'll get to the other games in the uh, second hour because there's just too many on Thursday night. But we will update. It is UCLA and Arizona State halftime, 32-30. ASU up by two. Good one going there. We'll keep an eye there. And, uh, again, Gonzaga losing. Andy Isco is going to make money on Irvine. It looks like. Don't want to jinx them, but it's 66-54, 2.47 to go at the Bryn Center. So a look at some college basketball. Take a break. Come back. Wrap things up. We're going to get into the NFL big time in hour number two. I'm going to get plays from both these guys on all four games. We're going to talk about Derek Carr. No longer going to be in the Raiders' plans. We'll get the take. Which way are the Raiders going? Do they look at 46-year-old Tom Brady? Because that's how old he'll be next season. Or where do the Raiders go quarterback-wise? Is Stidham come back? 
We'll see what Andy Isco says. We'll see what Mike Scalliot says. Mark Hoke takes us to break. We're live PSBR Law Studios in Las Vegas. You're listening to SportsX Radio 101.5 FM KDWN. on Throwback Thursday, KT, Andy Isco, Mike Scalia in studio, Mark Hoke running the show, 101.5 FM KDWN, also streaming on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, just search KDWN or SportsX Radio. Ken Thompson on Throwback Thursday, do not forget, Preventative Diagnostic Center, demographically, if you're in that demographic, 40 to 72 years of age, your health and your health of those you love, never more important, Preventative Diagnostic Center, under Dr. John Pierce, doesn't get much better than this because we've got the only scanner of its kind in the region. Gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease, lung disease, cancer. It is the Preventative Diagnostic Center. Give a call now. You can leave a message. Schedule that free educational consultation when they call you back. 702, you got down. 534 7900 534 Give a, a call and, uh, and lock it in there, but make sure you mention that Ken Thompson Gave you that info. The comfortable scan just takes a few minutes. A few days later, you get a detailed report from a board-certified radiologist. Heart CT scan, calcium score special, continues to roll out. Now in its second year, $125 for a $600 value. Get that heart checked out. Make sure none of those arteries are clogging up. Guys, don't get blindsided by that widowmaker. Could be all she wrote if you don't know what's going on with your heart. And a uh, cool thing is significant other. Absolutely free. So the two of you, $1,200 value, total 125 Get the heart checked out. Find out how you can get all your organs scanned at the Preventative Diagnostic Center. Early detection is key. Get peace of mind. Take charge of your health. Give a call now, 534-7900, 534-7900. Go to pdcenterlv.com, and you can see the scanner. And they've got other questions that I'm sure will be answered there, but they will answer everything at your consultation. Andy Isco and Mike Scalliot with me. Guys, before we go to break, let's talk a little bit. Uh, Derek Carr, Mike, I'll get your take as far as uh, no longer going to be a Raider. Nine years there with the Silver and Black, did not practice or play in the last two games. Uh, don't know where he's going to end up, but, you know, is what it is. They didn't want to risk him getting hurt, be on the hook for $33 million next year. It just shows the ugly side of what fans don't see too much because they don't want to see it, and that's that sports are a business. It's definitely a money deal, Ken. Uh, Carl will find a job somewhere. The guy, the guy's talented. I have to say this. I mean, they they didn't have a good season. I partially I blame him on some of the he didn't have his best season. I blame the defense some. I blame the coach some. I mean, there's enough blame to go around, but it's a money kind of deal here with that with the ownership and all but in my opinion it wasn't fair the way they treated the guy after being a loyal guy for nine years with them in Oakland and here through the ups and downs but like you said it's it's all a business it's all money and uh, sometimes some people have to you know go by the wayside and uh, you know my father used to say you know life's not fair but uh, that's what this was so 
Let's see what they do. I just hope they don't bring in the aging Tom Brady. I think that would be a mistake, in my opinion. Got to you keep Stidham and you draft a quarterback and you you give it a shot and see what McDaniel's can do with these guys. That's my opinion. All right, and of course, uh, Andy Esco, I want to get your opinion as well because uh, one thing I talked about it last night. Uh, you know, you can fault Derek Carr this year. He made a, a bunch of mistakes. There's no question through ton of interceptions. Uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, nine years, five different offensive coordinators in those nine years, a defense that in that nine-year span ranked 32nd out of 32 teams. Only twice in that nine years did they rank inside the top 20 defensively. So puts a lot more pressure on the offense. But your take as far as Derek Carr, uh, the way he went out as a Raider, and where do you think he'll end up? Well, I don't recall Derek Carr being on the field for most of uh, blowing those double-digit leads. The defense had a lot to do with that. A couple of interceptions didn't help, but, you know, let's... uh, they were putting way too much blame on Derek Carr. I still think he's got some football in him. And I also question a lot of the play calling that uh, the Raiders did, especially when trying to protect leads throughout the course of the season. I think that left a lot to be desired. And, you know, sometimes I'd like to go back to uh, the days. And, you know, you, he's been in the league nine years. I think he's earned the right to call his own plays. He sees what's out there. I'd like to go back to the days when quarterbacks called their own plays because they could see what was happening. They could see uh, which linemen were getting beat a lot better than the coaches could on the sidelines. And they rely too much on their charts and statistics and all that as opposed to understanding how how that how that game is going so i think he took uh some of the criticism was deserved but a lot of it was uh, not deserved and i agree with mike as far as tom brady goes raiders are not in a win now mode they're not they're not in position to win the super bowl or contend for the super bowl right now tom brady should go to a team that is in position uh to go to and perhaps win a super bowl uh Daniel Jones has done enough to earn the job with the Giants, but there are some other teams out there that probably could benefit from Tom Brady's experience, although I think his his skill uh, uh, set has diminished. We saw that throughout the season. I mean, few teams struggle as as, as consistently as did Tampa Bay in putting points, points on the board. Now, you could say injuries. Every team has injuries at skill positions during the course of the season. So I would like to see uh, the Raiders go after a quarterback who, uh, uh, for, for example, and I don't know if he's going to return to his current team, but Aaron Rodgers, he still got, you know, five, six productive years ahead of him. That's the kind of quarterback. And, of course, he'd be reunited with uh, Devontae Adams. So I would like to, you know, if you're going to choose between Brady and Rodgers, I'd clearly go for uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I can't. I'd love to see that. Unfortunately, the the price tag on Aaron Rodgers is extreme. So uh, really going to put a dent in your salary cap, no question. And the question is, would uh, Mark Davis want to shell out that type of money? Uh, You know, sometimes you hear them cry cash poor, uh, doesn't have that type of money to shell out on the uh, quarterback. But he did have Derek Carr linked to that extension, but it was only guaranteed for this one year, which gave the Raiders an out. Uh, you know, when you look at the way the season went down with, uh, you know, the way the whole thing transpired, again, my one thing was if General Manager Ziegler and Coach Josh McDaniels are getting a mulligan for this pathetic 6-11 and season and four leads blown when you had leads of better than 13 points in the fourth quarter, then why doesn't Derek Carr get a mulligan? And well, you're right. The play calling was uh, the play calling was top was was not good, especially in that Ram game. How they only throw the ball 16 or 17 times, whatever it was, was absolutely atrocious. But we will talk about that on the other side. We'll continue there, and then we're going to get into the four big games coming up: two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Some weather could come into play. We'll let you know. 
Mike Scalate is with us in studio. Andy Isco as well. We are at PSBR Law Studios. You're listening to SportsX Radio. I'm Ken Thompson. Mark Hoke running the show. The Mark Hoke Show, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., hour number one in the books. Keep it right here. Great hour number two coming up. 101.5 FM KDWN. You're listening to SportsX Radio. Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 9 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub with three locations one on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non invasive scan today. Day for peace of mind. Visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com. And by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now. All right, KT, hour number two, Throwback Thursday, live PSBR Law Studios in Las Vegas. Andy Isco in studio, Mike Scaliot, NFL specialist as well, Mark Hoke, running the show. And uh, we'll update some scores, and then we were going to get back into NFL football pretty much for the whole hour. I will uh, continue to update some scores and then uh, get you some overnights, a short schedule as far as college hoops. I've got a couple plays. Andy may have a play or two as well. Uh, on the ice, Seattle still 2-1 to one over Jersey. That's after two. It is a final. Washington finished off Arizona 4 nothing, and Edmonton 5-3 got past Tampa Bay. Detroit still with that 3-1 lead early third period at T-Mobile against the Vegas Golden Knights. Just underway third period in Dallas 4-0. Still shutting out the L.A. Kings in the City of Angels 5.30 to go in the second period there in Los Angeles. College Hardwood right now 35-33 second half just underway. Arizona State up by two. In fact, now UCLA has gone on an 8-0 run to start the second half. They lead it 38-35, 18-51 to go. It was 35-30 at the half. ASU hit a late three, but uh, UCLA with eight straight to start the second half in Tempe. Keep an eye on that one. San Fran up big against Pacific. 45-22, 17-50 to go second half. At the half, it is Santa Clara up eight on BYU, 34-26. St. Mary's at the half up nine on Pepperdine, 33-24. And also at the half up nine, Stanford at Maples Pavilion over Oregon State, 31-22. to We gave you the big score of the night, and that was LMU, Loyola Marymount. Uh, knocking off Gonzaga on the road, 68-67 to up there in Spokane. On the NBA hardwood, two games, Roland Suns really in control now over the Nets, 96-74. Fourth quarter just starting up in Phoenix, and the Sixers up 92-75, up 17 on the Blazers. Seven minutes left in regulation in that one. Philly going off a one-point favorite total, 235. Not going to get there 
I'm pretty sure we'll keep an eye on that game unless you get an extra session somehow, some way. And the other three finals in the NBA from earlier, matinee game, Bulls beat the Pistons in Detroit 126-108. to The Bulls have beaten the Pistons now 13 straight times. Warriors and Celtics. Warriors had a lead, but the Celtics come back, win it in OT, 121-118. And the game, even with the overtime, stays under the total of 241.5. T-Wolves nipped the Raptors at home in Minnesota, 128-126. Raptors were actually four-point road favorites, total 233.5. And that game gets up to 254, 128-126. So, hey, look at the Richard Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard. Andy Esco, let me go back to you. I know you were commenting on uh, Derek Carr. Uh, where was a, a place that you could see him go? Do you see him going maybe to the Jets? That's a possibility, but I, I was thinking more in terms of what I wanted to ask you. A possibility. Don't know if it would occur, but there has been talk about it, especially with C.J. Stroud now declaring and Bryce Young, of course, uh, for uh, uh, for Alabama. Uh, the Chicago Bears, what do you think of Justin Fields? I think Justin Fields is the perfect quarterback to play in Chicago in the winter with the style of play that he has. I was thinking has. for the Raiders. Oh, I well, I you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him for the Raiders, but if I'm Chicago, I'm not getting rid of him to move up to grab Bryce Young. Bryce Young, to me, is not a cold-weather quarterback. Uh, I think Justin Fields has shown he is, you know, I mean, Bryce Young played at modern day in California, played at Alabama, has not really uh, been in my, many cold weather games in his life. How about Stroud? A Stroud I like. A Stroud, and, and initially I wasn't sold on Stroud because I didn't know how mobile he was, uh, but he had a couple big games. And in that game against Georgia, I was very impressed. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to see C.J. Stroud. I think he's got... Uh, good, solid upside. I like his size more so than Bryce Young. Bryce Young, the I, I love his accuracy. I love his toughness, his durability. But the question is durability in college. And we saw him get nicked up to where he missed a few games this year. Probably cost him an opportunity to win back-to-back Heisman trophies. And when you watch what's happening with Tua Tungavailoa, you see the diminutive quarterback. If they get you know hit a couple times at the wrong time, it could be detrimental, and we saw Tua miss a ton of games. And Bryce Young, you know, if he gets you know thrown down to the ground by one of these three hundred fifty pound defensive linemen, you know, you could see similar situations. For me, Justin Fields is a tough guy. He's a bigger guy. He can run. He's a, he's an excellent dual threat, but he runs more uh, so than passing. And with the Chicago Bears, the way they are right now, they're bringing in weapons. They started getting him some weapons this year. I think if they shore up the offensive line, I think Fields stays there in Chicago. I don't see them dealing. Uh, see, but there, I, there has been some talk that they were might be listening, because that's where I'm thinking that I would think with the talent that the Raiders have yep. and how young he is mm-hmm. and the fact that Field is still under team control for, some, for a few more seasons, that uh, that would be, a I think, a great pickup for the Raiders. Uh, when you're thinking about building for the future with the nucleus that they have now. I think the Raiders maybe trade up to get that number one pick. That's that wouldn't I mean. shock me. Yeah, That's what I mean. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so I can see either uh, one of those guys, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, uh, being guys that the Raiders take a shot with. But again, you've got to have somebody here. So you were talking about, you know, maybe holding on to Jarrett Stidham. And, you know, but to me, Stidham still has a bunch of years left and he's feeling based on the San Francisco game, which was his first game starting uh, as an NFL quarterback, that he's the guy. Now, that's all well and good till teams get film on you. Look, Kansas City's a top-notch team. They're a Super Bowl contending team and a pretty good defense as well. But once they had film on Stidham, you didn't see him get away with anything that he got away with against San Francisco. And again, there's a couple of things in that Niners game. I think the Niners really took that game lightly, knowing with all the dissension with Carr out, they didn't know jack about Stidham, know he's a backup and you know a guy that's basically played in preseason. So I don't think the Niners really took that game 
as seriously as, you know, if they played them now, you know, and they had film on Stidham, I think the Niners win that game by 17-plus. But, you know, give the Raiders credit. They came to play. I don't know how good Stidham would be long-term. What is your take, Mike Scalia, on Jarrett Stidham based on we only saw him two games, short sample size, but very impressive against the Niners, but then against Kansas City, not so good. Yeah, I was impressed, like you said, against the Niners, but they probably weren't thinking he was going to be much in that game. And then, like you said, Kansas City had a little bit of film on him from that game. But, you you know, two games is a real small size to make an opinion, but he came from Auburn, which was is a good school. I think who was the co- coach back then when he was there, Gus? Gus Malzone? Uh, or no? I, I believe he was. I'm not yeah, so, that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Sims has been in the league a few years. No, no, I'm thinking uh, Harzen. Uh, Harson was there for oh, maybe the last year, right? Harson, because he was there, what? Uh, he was only there two or two years. Okay, so you're right. Yeah, it was Malzahn. I think you bring a guy in, though, with some experience and let Stidham learn. That's my opinion. I mean, he sat behind Carr. He sat, he sat up in uh, New England with Brady and whoever else was up there. I think he needs to sit a little bit, maybe in a season under, like you were saying, Rodgers, I think, would be a nice move here, way more uh, than Brady. Well, I that's the other that. thing to keep in mind, though is what happens if the Raiders don't have a good season this year? Is it a package deal that uh, McDaniels and Stidham would not be with the team in uh, 2024? Or would Stidham be the, long, the long-term the long answer? Now, then again, of course, if Stidham does have a good year next year, it probably means the Raiders will have success and McDaniels will continue to be the coach. Well, McDaniels is going to have to be like Shanahan, what he's doing with Brock Purdy, Andy, because, uh, you know... You give him a shot, say he's the guy, and he plays for the season. You know, if McDaniel's can't elevate his game like we see Doug Peterson doing with Lawrence, now that's mm-hmm. the key. If they can elevate these players, and now even Hurts uh, now has elevated. If that coach, if you don't have the right coach there, then you're right, and they, and they keep Stidham, and he's the guy, and they play, and they don't do well, and then the two of them should go. And then you, but now you're starting all over again. So do you, do you play that card, or do you see if you can make a trade for somebody that might be out there that's been in the league a while, or is there one of these draft picks that you're talking about? Maybe. you know. Well, what, we're, that- what we're seeing going around the league, and we're seeing scapegoats, uh, a lot of coordinators are being – you know, sacrificial lambs, basically. They become the blame, whether it's Staley. Uh, now we've seen Byron Leftwich was let go today by Tampa Bay. Listen, I mean, you, you can say what you want about Leftwich and the offense. First off, that team was banged up offensively, but you can't tell me that Tom Brady wasn't very instrumental in putting most of those plays into that offense. And that offense, again, for mm-hmm. Byron Leftwich, Andy, is go, uh, here's a guy that's basically handcuffed because Brady is not mobile. He's got to stand behind a wall of granite anybody that got pressure on him this year he was in a lot of trouble and remember two years ago Leftwich was the offensive coordinator when Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl with Brady yep so I so what's the difference has Byron Leftwich not become as good a play caller or has Tom Brady lost some of his skills to not be able to execute the offense that he was able to execute two years ago? well and of course the offensive line is not what it was they lost literally three guys from that offensive line that they had when they won the Super Bowl right I think think Leftwich got a bad deal. I I think I heard today, Ken, there's like 13 offensive coordinators looking for jobs. That's a big number. 
Yeah, and Greg, Greg Roman is out there in Baltimore, mm-hmm. and uh, John Harbaugh saying that he thinks that they're going to be able to retain Lamar Jackson, and they would even include him in now as far as the search for a new offensive coordinator. So that, you know, I, I get that. That's enticing to somebody, especially when you know they have one foot out the door. And I really think Lamar Jackson had one foot out the door, and it wouldn't have surprised me if the Raiders were active in pursuing a guy like Lamar Jackson because here's a guy that – is still young enough. He'd be playing indoors on turf. Uh, the speed would be elevated even more so. And that could help you out, Andy, as far as when you're trying to put together some cohesiveness on an offensive line. Outside of Colton Miller, again, there has been a lot of uh, you know revolving door, basically, with the Raiders. And then he broke in a couple rookies this year with Mumford and Parham. So uh, you know, you're trying to get some... Uh, you know, something solidified there on the offensive line, but it's not easy. And when you have quarterbacks that are not mobile, uh, for me, I always wondered why Josh McDaniels didn't, and I even asked him this at the beginning of training camp, would you get Derek Carr outside the tackle box? Because Derek Carr is a fast guy. He is not slow. If anybody's ever watched Derek Carr in some of his basketball uh, videos or, or some of these uh, things off season, the guy can pick him up and put him down. But there are no design runs or, or play fakes to Josh Jacobs and roll out to the right to get outside the tackle box to take advantage of the freaking rules. The rules are made right now to protect the quarterback. You get guys like Mahomes and, and a lot of these guys that are sharp, Justin Herbert, they take advantage. They get outside the tackle box, and what does that do? That gives you an option. You can run and slide, or you can throw the freaking ball out of bounds. You can throw it into the damn crowd, and we know that Derek Carr's got an arm, so he could have taken advantage of that. He never really did that. I saw it, like I said, I remember distinctly twice in the game in London against the Bears. It worked both times for a gain of eight and a gain of nine. Never saw it again and really irritated me because, like I said, if he was slow, I get it. When you, If you bring Brady in, you're basically pushing all your chips in to say, yep, we're going to protect this guy. And I don't think the Raiders' offensive line, unless they make some trades and something happens, I don't see this offensive line being an offensive line that's going to be good enough to protect Tom Brady. I know he's got the clock inside his head, but he had that same clock ticking this year in Tampa, and we saw how they just got dominated in their last game against the Cowboys. I'm going to go back to the Greg Roman situation again. I believe he was the offensive coordinator when uh, Lamar Jackson won the MVP. So what's the difference between then and now? Well, Lamar Jackson's missed, what, 10 games over the last two years? Of course the the offense is going to suffer because there's a a guy like Lamar Jackson – guy like Aaron Rodgers, whoever you want to talk about amongst the elite quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes. There's a big drop-off between these guys and whoever's got to come in and come and come in and play for more than just a game or two. So I think the offensive coordinators are getting, in, in those situations, a raw deal, too much of the blame. As far as uh, uh, Derek Carr goes, and we talked about it a little earlier, that, that, that related to the comment with poor play calling, not taking advantage of an athlete's talents. I, I've, I've never liked stubborn coaches who say, we're going to implement my system with these players, as opposed to, what are these players' best talents? We're going to build a system around those talents. I, I agree with that. And, and Mike, here's the that's, thing. That's if Derek Carr can win last year with all the adversity you're going through, with Gruden being out, with the Henry Ruggs horrific crash and, and the killing of the young lady uh, you know, here in Vegas – and then somehow you bring in Rich Bisaccia as a interim coach, and the guy goes seven and five and gets you to the playoffs, wins the last four games. You go, you get within you know ten yards of uh, tying up Cincinnati, basically, or going for a win. Who knows? They were down seven, but they're on the nine yard line to end that game. Uh, you know, I just think you know that's where it started. Yep. Yeah. yeah well, I, I just think uh, you know with this system, Derek Carr 
when you look at the other four offensive coordinators that he had during his tenure there, he struggled in year one with all of them, but excelled in year two much more. And so my one thing was, look, I get it. They lost a lot of close games. You look at the Minnesota Vikings, they won all those close games, right? They made the playoffs. The Raiders lost all those close games. They won a few of them last year, and they won a few of them this year. They got a couple OT games, uh, wins in a row. Uh, but I thought, you know, blowing leads like they did, especially the September 18th home opener against St. Louis, there's, I mean against Arizona, there's no excuse for that. Uh, blowing a 20 nothing halftime lead and, and a game you're dominating where I think the Cardinals had the ball like six and a half minutes in the first half. It was a blowout. And like I said, I had family in from Arizona. They all wanted to leave at halftime because it was such a blowout. And they come back and win that game. And that kind of put the writing on the wall on the season when you're, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. we go back and we look because it, it turned out that uh, things just, it was a disaster basically. But you had 15 games where Waller and Renfro combined that they missed. One missed eight games, one missed seven games. You bring in a Devontae Adams, great. That's going to give you that three-headed monster receiving-wise. You know, well, it's not because you're one guy missed eight games, one guy missed seven games. So Devontae Adams is doubled up every single freaking play and you got a makeshift offensive line. So what do you do? You run Josh Jacobs to death. That's great, except to be becomes predictable and then finally when these guys come back well that's all well and good but they came back for the last couple games of the year with Jared Stidham at the helm yeah I and agree. by the way just remember the Raiders were good enough to get those five double digit leads throughout those throughout the season I agree with Andy though they they should work on the quarterback whatever is good for them what's their talent don't implement your plays what works with this quarterback you're right about it that Andy and some of them don't do it but last year, Ken, they should have kept the coach that they put in yep. when Gruden Rich left. Rich Seven and five. The players liked them. Give them a shot. You bring in McDaniel. Oh, 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 and by the way, he went you know, to Green Bay, which had all those special teams problems last year. Look at Green Bay special teams this year. Yep, they were great. And the players liked this guy. Davis should have given this guy a shot. You know, sometimes these owners and coaches, we all know, they outthink everything. They go way beyond where they should go, and they make mistakes. But... What your quarterback. And I, th- and I think that's because you had a big name guy in Gruden. You're in Vegas right. trying to make a splash, so you want another big name. Right. And Rich Passaccia, because he was a special teams guy and is up there in years, just wasn't the sexier, sexy enough name You're to right. have as your uh, your head coach in Vegas. That that's my personal feeling. Yeah, sadly, uh, about the only thing he could do was win games. You're probably all right about that, but they should have given the guy a shot just to see what happened. But yeah, like you said, Carr was playing with his. You know, his hands tied behind his back with those receivers out. Adams comes in, but like you say, they double-team him. Who's left? Renfro's not there. You run Jacobs into the ground, which I've been thinking, man, I don't know how many more years because he's very good. Can he keep with all these carries? Can come in next year and that. He's a young guy yet. No, they got to sign but him they're, first. But they're burning him out. You yeah. Know? Yeah, well, I think they will because he had another great season unless they, <laughs> unless they have something else in mind. But they make mistakes. All these, you know, the upper management and this and that, but we'll see what happens. We'll see. Yeah, where but it, a lot of times it's not the head coaches. We see Staley stay on there in L.A. with the Chargers. Their offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, let go. The Vikings they fire uh, defense coordinator Ed Donatel today. Uh, Dolphins fire Boyer, their defense coordinator after three seasons left, which we talked about. He's out amongst other coaches there. Todd Bowles, you know, basically stays on. Uh, you know, I, I, again, these guys just become scapegoats, and they basically give the coach another year or two. Although they didn't give Lovey Smith that opportunity there, and I thought Lovey Smith good. I, I get it. You're you're in Houston, but what what did he have to work with? That was one of the most 
preposterous firings. I mean, this guy had nothing to work with, That's and I two thought years he was in a row. By the way, yeah. that they gave a coach one year. Yep, yeah, and I, I thought I thought at least his teams were competitive, and then they go in and they win the last game, and uh, what? Because they wanted the number one pick. You know, is is that why he got fired? I mean, you know, you're in the game to win. These guys, you know, people think, oh, they're gonna they're gonna tank, they're gonna tank. You know, they're gonna lose. Well, you know, Davis Mills is quarterback. He's like. He's not doing that, or or uh, uh, Driscoll, the uh, the other guy that was split in time. These guys are trying to get a starting job, and all these guys are trying to hold on to jobs and maybe have an opportunity to play next year. So they're not tanking, right. you know. They're not going to lose on purpose. I'm sure that's happened, you know, in other sports, and you know, maybe when you know there's been some type of communication from management and ownership down to these players, like the Sixers, and uh, you know, with the five years in a row or whatever they were tanking, you know, to try and resurrect that franchise, but. You know, in the NFL, I, I just don't see it, especially from the guys that are going to lose their jobs. Ken Thompson, Andy Isco, Mike Scalliott, take a break. We're going to continue NFL talk. We are going to get to those four games. We'll start it off with Jacksonville and Kansas City. When we come back, we are live from Vegas, 101.5 KDWN. You're listening to SportsX Radio. Mark Hoke running the show. Mark Hoke show, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. this Sunday morning, the 101st show as he continues his great run with professional wrestling's finest guests, including Andrew Fishvane and uh, Joe DeFalco, his co-host. Live from Vegas, we'll be right back. That's right, baby. You're jumping for joy if you had LMU on the money line tonight. Are you kidding me? Plus 16 and a half. Went down to 16, but Cam Shelton banked in the go-ahead runner with 13 seconds left, and LMU snaps number six Gonzaga's 76-game home winning streak with a 68-67 victory. LMU led it 66-59, to but the Zags ran off. Seven straight or eight straight to take a 67-66 lead on Drew Timmy's free throws with 41 seconds remaining. However, Cam Shelton banked in the go-ahead runner with 13 seconds remaining, and then Timmy's last-second attempt was blocked by Le Pepe there for LMU and the Lions come away with their biggest win in a long time, uh, breaking that 76-game winning streak for Gonzaga. 68-67, great effort by the Lions of Loyola Marymount. Uh, updating the games that are going now, 53-49, ASU leads UCLA, make it 53-50 now with 10-21 to go second half in Tempe. San Fran, no problem, cruising past Pacific, 71-49 to minutes left, Don's in control. Santa Clara's lead down to one against BYU, still 13-19 to go at Bronco Gym, 46-45, and St. Mary's up 24 big ones at Pepperdine, 11-08 to go second half, 52-28, Stanford up 16 now on Oregon State, 11-16 to go at Maples Pavilion, 47 31. All right, uh, let me duck in a few of the uh, other finals. Arizona cruise past USC, minus 8. They win it by 15. Game stays under the total. Utah, no problem with Wazoo up there in Salt Lake. Utes, totally different team at home, as a lot of teams are. But 77-63, they beat Washington State. That's the same Wazoo team that went into McHale Center and uh, broke Arizona's long winning streak. Uh, beat them pretty good by double digits uh, just about a week ago. But Utah laying three and a half, win it by 14 in a game that gets well over the total. Colorado 
wire to wire, they lose to Washington. It was the Huskies going into Boulder. KT, wrong side on this one, laid the nine. And uh, Washington led that game by as many as 14. And they beat Colorado on the road. Nice effort by Hopkins, guys. 75-72, Washington wins it. Nice little money line payoff there in a game that goes over. Tennessee State beat Eastern Illinois. 78-74 game goes over. 84-68, Weber State beat Portland State. Win cover game goes over. 65-61, Idaho State surprises Sac State as two-and-a-half-point home dogs. They win it. Game stays under the total. Southern Indiana beat Lindenwood 81-65. Win cover. Game gets over by a point. UC Irvine makes Andy Isco some money. Beat Hawaii by 8. 76-68 laying 2.5 at the Brent Center. They get the win, and the game also goes over the total. Santa Barbara pulled away from Northridge. Covered the 16. Win it by 20. 72-52. And uh, game still stays under the 126.5 by 2.5 points. Cal Poly slow. Uh, sorry there, Dave Deneen. Your little boys went down at Mott Gym. Mustangs lose it on their home court to the Tritons of UC San Diego, 71-64. Long Beach State at the Pyramid gets a win and a cover by a point, laying four, win it by five over Cal State Fullerton, 72-67. Game stays under the total. And Seattle, no problem, beat Tarleton State, 67-47. Tarleton State, I'd rather fight than switch. Uh, Seattle, minus six and a half, gets the win and the cover. Remember those cigarettes, Territon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on the games that are rolling, uh, but that updates you on a bunch of these games. Uh, UC Riverside did beat UC Davis, if I didn't get you that one, 74-72. The old Highlanders, KT used to call their games back in the day. And uh, this one for my buddy Mark Sherezi, his favorite college basketball team, Moorhead. Moorhead State, that is, and they get a win on the road against SIU Edwardsville. They're actually eight-and-a-half-point dogs. They win it by nine, 67 58, and he always sends me the text, KT, when in doubt, get Moorhead. All right, so uh, there it is. And the big uh, Big Ten upset tonight, Indiana 80-65 to over Illinois. Very nice effort by the Hoosiers on the road as uh, they get a 15-point win, but they let that one wire to wire as well. Suns lead the Nets 111-104, a minute 14 to go fourth quarter, and it is a final. Sixers held off the Blazers 105-95 in Portland. Let's check in on our Golden Knights, see how they're doing at home, they were losing 3-1. to one. Right now, it's still 3-1, to one, and only 2.46 left in the third period. My goodness, only one goal against the Red Wings. What is going on? Gosh, dang it. Butch Cassidy, you better get those Sundance kids to play better at home, man. They're just struggling big time. Seattle leads New Jersey now 3-2, to two, 5.27 to go third period, and Dallas still a 4 nothing lead in L.A. over the Kings after two periods. Ken Thompson, Mike Scalliott, Andy Isco, the great AI, the original AI. It is not Allen Iverson. It is Andy Isco. And uh, guys, before we get into these uh, these four games, any other uh, feel, Mike Scalley, as far as Raiders quarterback? Do you what? I mean, if I had to pin you down, do you think Brady is here next year as a quarterback? I have a strong feeling he is, and I and I think it's a mistake. I'd rather see Rogers or. Or draft somebody. What, what about another guy that knows McDaniel's system if he comes back from the foot injury and Jimmy Garoppolo? I like Jimmy G. Absolutely. He's a winner. I Andy? Agree, I agree there. Yeah, I, I could see Garoppolo coming back. Uh, you know, Trey Lance is the starter when healthy, although Brock Purdy, <laughs> if, if he takes him to a Super Bowl and plays, you know, has a significant part in playing it, it's hard not to have him back. So that could be a situation where. Uh, San Francisco will just have to uh, accept the fact that Garoppolo is going elsewhere. I think he would be my my preference would be for Aaron Rodgers because he's the best quarterback that is that may well be available and he's got four five six good years ahead of him. I would not like to see Tom Brady, but I think that that's a real possibility. 
Or, as uh, we suggested before, maybe there's a quarterback out there in the draft that the uh, Raiders could move up. But, again, salary cap issues have a lot to do with what you can do uh, trading for draft choices. All right. So, guys, let's uh, get into the game starting off on Saturday. And we could get some snow in the uh, the Kansas City game. Uh, there is snow that's in the forecast. But, again, we'll have to see how that stuff pans out closer to game time. At Arrowhead, we know the Chiefs are dominant. They come off the bye, both Philly and KC, the only two teams off last week with the bye. Jaguars at the Chiefs. Jags coming back from 27 nothing down. Lawrence, four interceptions. I mean, if he threw two interceptions first half against KC, they're going to lose by 15-plus. KC minus 9.53. Andy, that's going to uh, take away... Uh, the six-point teaser, because that would only knock it down to three, but still keeps the six-and-a-half and, and seven-point teaser intact. But as Bill Krakenberger says, you're doing a seven-point teaser nowadays with the sports books, man. You're uh, you're giving your firstborn up, so uh, which in some cases isn't a bad way to go. I know a lot of guys that would probably do that. Uh, Chiefs minus 953. AI, let me start with you. Where are you on this game? Well, if you look at some of the stats, and I like to look at how these teams did against common opponents you can make a case for Jacksonville from this extent. Jacksonville 7-3 and three against common opponents. Kansas City 8-1. and one. That's straight up. Uh, we don't need to uh, win the game for Jacksonville to cover. Jacksonville 6-4 and four against those common opponents because they played the Chargers uh, uh, an extra game as well in addition to Kansas City playing uh, the, the other eight games against uh, common opponents. Uh, Kansas City just 1-8 and eight against the spread in those games. So that certainly could give you an idea. And those common opponent statistics are very similar. But... In this specific matchup, these teams met in the middle of the season. I think it was week 10. The line was very much like it was now. Kansas City, a nine-and-a-half point home favorite. They won the game 27-17. to uh, 17. So, mm, okay, you can make a case for Jacksonville. Problem with that is if you, look, if you use that game as an indication of how these teams match up, Kansas City dominated that game. They outgained the uh, Jaguars uh, 486-315. to 315. That's 171. Yards per play, which I like to use as a measure of efficiency because you could run different number of plays, but yards per play is a good indication of how you do when you do run those plays. Jacksonville gained 7.8 yards per play. I'm uh, sorry, Kansas City gained 7.8 yards per play. Jacksonville just 5.2. That's a significant difference. Why was the score as close as it was, 10 points? Kansas City minus three in turnovers. If Kansas City can avoid turnovers or even if it's neutral in the game, Kansas City should win this game easily. And then, of course, you talked about the two teams with the bye. What's the, uh, uh, what's the uh, connection between uh, Kansas City and Philadelphia? They were both coached by Andy Reid, and back in his Philadelphia days, as well as with Kansas City, he's had an outstanding record coming off of a bye, and he's going up against uh, Trevor Lawrence that, uh, I don't know if he got over those initial jitters, certainly his second-half performance did, but if he has any kind of slow start to this game, it could be a very long day. Mike, the one benefit for Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville, they did find a way to get the win. So they are playing with house money. There's no pressure on them. Nobody expects them to win. Maybe they expect themselves to, you know, hang in there and give themselves a shot. But realistically, nobody giving them a shot to beat Kansas City on the road. Where are you with this one? Well, this is one game I didn't play yet, Ken. Uh, I lean to the over 53, I believe it's at. And I lean with Kansas City, like Andy said. They were minus three to first uh, go around, and they still won by 10. Then you got Andy Reid off a bye, one of the best records of all time. That has to play in. And how much did the Jacksonville, you know, the the emotion of that game last week, how much did that drain out of them? I know it's a week apart, but still, if I was to play it, which I may lay to nine or nine and a half, whatever you're saying, as long as it's under 10, I would, I would go Kansas City and over. I just think uh, Jacksonville got their win. They're playing with house money. I mean, 
you know, I think, you know, Coach Reed, this is, uh, you know, coming, like we said, coming off the bye. I think this is one of the favorites that could win this weekend. All right. So you're a Rams fan, but I'll give you a shot on this one first, Mike. Uh, Giants at Philadelphia. A lot of questions on, you know, what's the health status of Jalen Hurts? You know, he wasn't uh, doing any of the design runs against the Giants in the last game. And I'm thinking, you know what? They probably thought they're going to win this game against the Giant backups. So why risk anything? Let's just get out of here with a win. Who cares about point spreads? Let's just get out of here with a win. Get the number one overall seed in the NFC. Get the bye and then have some time to mend. Where are you as far as Philly right now? It's holding steady at 7.5, total 48 against the Giants, who come off the impressive win against Minnesota. That was indoors. This will be in Philly and a little bit different with Minnesota's defense and that Eagle defense. Yeah, you're absolutely correct, Ken, but uh, I played the Giants plus 7.5. I would even have played them at 7. I just think a division game, I like to play the underdogs. They're very familiar with each other. And like you said, Hurts is hurt. Some to some extent, I believe, and you know how will he be running? He's way more effective when he runs the ball, and he you know, and he gambles. You know, and he get he's not hurt at the time when he's doing a lot of that. So if that slows down a little bit, I believe this giant defense. I know it was Minnesota, and they were a fake thirteen and four or whatever they were. We know that was they. You know, they won so many games by one score. So I was on the Giants last week, but I just think their defense, their coach. You got Daniel Jones playing at the high, the best he's played since he came into the league. Barkley's healthy. They have a, they don't have no big star receivers, but guys do make plays. Slayton's one guy that's been around, and Galladay, when he plays, he doesn't play a lot, but he's capable of a good game. I just, I know it'll be tough in Philly with that crowd and all the weather. Well, the Giants, the same kind of weather if it's in the 30s or whatever, but, uh, I'm I'm on the Giants. I think they can cover this spread. I don't really care who wins, but I, I I like the Giants in this game. I think they got a real good shot. They have some momentum going in my mind. Hassan Reddick, sixteen sacks. I mean Graham Hargrave, eleven sacks each. This Philly defense, Andy, over seventy sacks. Next closest team, Kansas City. What fifteen sacks behind? Uh, this defense comes at you from every possible which way. And that's where I, I and I again a lot of credit to Jonathan Gannon. He's done a nice job with this defense, and I just think there's too many defensive players that are going to step it up in front of the home crowd. I get it's a divisional game. I get it the Giants, you know, come off a nice win on the road in Minnesota indoors now, uh, but they do know Philadelphia. There's no question. They did play their backups in that last game, but. That's another thing like people aren't looking. Okay, so the starters that got dominated in the first meeting didn't play in that second game against Hurts and the guys. So, yeah, they watched it. Now, there are a couple players from the Giants uh, that were not in that first game from the Giants secondary. And those guys are back now. Uh, you've got McKinney that is back, and you've got a Dory Jackson that is back. Both those guys did not play in the first meeting between the Giants and the Eagles. How much does that pan into the way that you handicap this game, Andy? And who do you like? Because Ojolari is still banged up on the defensive line for the G-men. Other than that, they look like they're in pretty good shape. Well, first uh, part I want to say is the game that they played the second time against Philadelphia meant nothing to the Giants. They were going to be the number six NFC NFC seed. Philadelphia still needed to win that game to clinch the number one seed. 
and they were up. I think uh, I thought it was twenty-two to three. It was nineteen to three, 19 in, the fourth, three right. in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. and the Giants didn't quit. And I like the fact that they played the full sixty minutes. The game meant nothing, and even though it was backups, it still represents the coach's mindset. So mm-hmm. I like that. And you did mention the familiarity factor. This will be the seventh time that division rivals have met for the third time in the divisional round, not the wild card round. Although last week we had three division matchups, and the dogs went two and one. Uh, in the divisional round and between these divisional foes in the previous six times, underdog four and two straight up, five and one against the spread. And what I think where that also comes in with the familiarity is the fact that these two teams played late in the season. Both of their games uh, were uh, after Thanksgiving. I think one was the first December game and the other one was well, the last week of the season in January. So it's normally the underdog makes uh, uh, makes the adjustments, the favored team uh doesn't really need to do all that much. Now, a couple of things that, uh, that both of these teams excel at. They both run the ball. In the regular season, they both averaged 148 yards per game. They also excelled at avoiding turnovers, and that's you know, l- giving the opposition fewer possessions when you, don't, uh, uh, when you don't turn the ball over. And I think the Giants were number two and the Eagles were number four, and they weren't separated by more than a, maybe two or three turnovers. Uh, what I like, uh, however, about uh, uh, this game is that... Um, You've got the sacks for the uh, for the Eagles. The Giants have started to use Daniel Jones more as a runner in addition to a passer, and that might play into some of the things that Philadelphia has to prepare for and perhaps not be ready for. If the Giants can use Daniel uh, 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 Daniel Jones as a runner in certain situations where maybe it wouldn't be expected, we've seen he could go off and break off some big runs. What do you have last week? I think 75 yards mm-hmm. or something in addition to throwing for a good number. So I th- I, I'm going to be on the Giants plus the 7.5. I want to monitor it because I think we might see some late public money come in and move this game up to 8, but I'll be prepared to grab 7.5 if I start seeing some ticks down. Mike, will you uh, pay attention to the in-game wagering because, again, speculation is that Jalen Hurts is not 100%. In the first meeting against the Giants, he had seven designed quarterback runs, only one in the second meeting in the game they needed. But again, going against the backups, maybe they did not want to expose him for injury. And again, it's a game, like Andy said, they were up 19-3. to It's a game that they were probably content in grinding out, just making sure they got the W, making sure nobody gets hurt, and really not uh, risking uh, any further potential injury to Jalen Hurts, making sure that they get the win, right. did enough to get the win, get the bye to give them that extra rest to heal that body up. That was the main objective that day, just get the win and get out of there. And when they were sitting at 19-3, they, you know, they just figured we'll, we'll do whatever we can, even though they were in the red zone like five times and, and a couple of times didn't come away with anything or kick field goals, I gather. But uh, – yeah, that's what I think they did in that game. But like Andy said, D- Daniel Jones now becomes a threat with this running, and uh, that's big. That's big. And the, the, what he said about five and one and four and two in, in these kind of games, you got to look at that. You know, we're going to play three. Maybe me and Andy are going to bet three games. If we win two out of three, it's good. If we get all three, we'd be lucky. You know, but I don't do any in game, Ken. I don't have any apps, so okay. it's not something I do. I might to- do a halftime. Depend on what's going on. That go, go down, go down and see my good buddy Arthur DeCesar. He'll connect you with a great app over there at the Westgate Superbook. We'll come back and we'll wrap up the other two games 
in our final segment, SportsX Radio, but both guys on the Giants. Giants have won five in a row against the spread. The Eagles have dropped their last four against the number, but of course, Hurts missing a couple of those games. Uh, Jacksonville has won six straight games straight up. Kansas City has won five straight games straight up. We'll get to Cincinnati and Buffalo, both those teams coming in on long winning streaks. And of course, San Francisco has an 11 game streak. Dallas coming off maybe their most complete game of the year in that win against Tampa Bay. We'll talk those two games when we wrap things up. SportsX Radio, 101.5 FM KDWN streaming live on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You haven't downloaded that sucker. Do it now. Search for SportsX Radio or KDWN, and you can do the same thing for the Mark Hoke Show, of course, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. We come back, PSBR Law Studios in Vegas. Wrap things up. Keep it right here. Somewhere beyond the sea, somewhere waiting for me. My lover stands on golden sands and watches the ships that go sailing. There you go. A little uh, throwback Thursday for Chicago Bill and Joanne. Throw out a little Bobby Darren, courtesy of Mark Hoke, spinning the hits here on a throwback Thursday. Andy Isco, Mike Scalliott in studio. Congratulations to Lindy LaRock. She continues to excel as head coach for the Lady Rebels. They beat Wyoming first time in 11 years in Laramie. They are now 8-0 inside the Mountain West, 18-2 overall. And uh, Lindy LaRock doing a heck of a job. Now, there is a chance she could join us tomorrow night in between the uh, two road games. I believe they're on their way to Fort Collins, but I'm not positive on that. I know they're going to another road venue. Uh, so we'll see if uh, if I can figure that out and if we can get her on tomorrow night in between the games, but an outstanding job she has done. Of course, played her college ball at Stanford. Now, she was going to join me the other night, but her dad, Al Rock, was his birthday, so she was taking him out for birthday. He, of course, uh, had coach over there at Durango for a long time, Durango High School right here in Las Vegas. But good to see the Lady Rebels really excelling <clears throat> and uh, making the NCAA tournament last year. Hopefully they get another crack at it this year. Well on their way, uh, off to an incredible start, 17-2, and two, but eight, or 18-2, and two, and now 8-0. and oh. In the Mountain West. All right, Mr. Isco, Mr. Scalliot, let's keep you guys rolling so far on the same page. Let's uh, turn our attention to Sunday's games and the early game. Buffalo at home against Cincinnati. Uh, we know what happened in the game that was canceled at Cincinnati with the DeMar Hamlin situation. But this one they're going to play in Buffalo. Andy Isco, I'm going to start with you. That line, uh, first off, I'm looking, it says 81% chance of rain because they're looking at 37 degrees, so it would not be snow at least early on as far as that game. That game starts 3 o'clock Eastern time. It could get a little bit colder later, and you never know uh, how the weather affects uh, both these guys. But both Joe Burrow and uh, Josh Allen, they don't seem uh, you know, deterred at all by you know inclement weather, so... Where are you as far as this one? And are you surprised that the line continues to grow uh, in favor of Buffalo? I, I get it with Cincinnati's offensive line being somewhat depleted, uh, but are you surprised that the line now is sitting at five and a half at the Westgate Superbook? Buffalo, the favorite, total of 49 against Cincy. That's the early game not, on Sunday. Not all that surprised, but at five and a half, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes up to six. After all, Buffalo was the team that was favored to, uh, along with Kansas City, but maybe even a little bit more to win the uh, AFC this year, and here they are in position to control their own fate again. So not really surprised. There's a lot to like about Cincinnati, but you know, I'll be interested to see. Wouldn't it be great if he's given medical clearance, 
if you see DeMar Hamlin come out to the uh, coin toss with his teammates as maybe a co-captain, I, I don't believe he's still on the active roster, I'm not sure, but maybe there could be some exception. Uh, he comes out there for the coin toss and the stadium just erupts even more than it normally will. That might, If that does happen, that might give uh, Buffalo a little bit of an added uh, energy at the start of the game. This is Of the four games, this is the one they had. I had the most difficult time in deciding which side to like. I ultimately decided I like Cincinnati in this game to cover, although I do think Buffalo win, so I'm expecting the points to come into play, something like 24-20, 27-23, something along uh, those lines. Uh, we know about the, the issues with the offensive line. If you look at the two halves of the season, uh, Burrow uh, sacked uh, uh, defensively uh, 32, he was sacked 32 times in the first nine games, 16 times in the games uh, since then. Uh, also, you know, we look about Josh Allen. He did not play very well. Arguably the worst game of his career last week. We know about the fumbles. We know about the interceptions. Uh, but how about the fact that Miami sacked him seven times last week? So I think this will be a fairly clean game. I don't know if it'll be as high scoring as the lines makers uh, suggest. So I might look under this total as well. But I will be on the points with Cincinnati. But much like uh, with the uh, uh, the previous game we talked about with the uh, line on the Giants-Eagles, I'm going to see if at 5.5 this line ticks up to 6 before I uh, get seriously involved. Mike Scaliot. I'm on the Bengals also, Ken. I'm going to take the five and a half or six. I haven't done it yet. I'm hoping it goes to six. But I like Joe Burrow. I like the receivers. I think they have the three of the best receivers in the league. They're just going to need to run the ball a little bit. And uh, he doesn't make the mistakes that uh, Josh Allen, this last five, six games, he's had many turnovers and a lot of them in the red zone. And uh, I'm, I'm, I don't like the coach that much myself. And uh, – I just think uh, the weather may may play a factor because rain can force fumbles and different things to happen. Doesn't look like any wind, though. Nothing more than seven miles per hour predicted right now. And I think the night they had the game postponed because of the injury and all, it looked like Cincinnati was going to control that game. I know it was very early into the game, but they seemed to be playing with a little more energy that night. So, yeah, I'm going to be on Joe Burrow. I think he's uh, he's cool. He's been there. Uh, in the beginning of the season, I thought this was Buffalo's year, but after what I've seen the last four five weeks, I don't think so. All right, let, so. let me point one other thing out. Cincinnati Super Bowl last year, and they were like 13-4 and four against the spread this year. You mm-hmm. usually don't see teams coming off of a Super Bowl and having a great point spread record. Not only is it a winning record, it's an outstanding record. Compare that, for example, with Kansas City the year after it won the Super Bowl. They couldn't cover spreads, especially over the second half of that season. That's a good call. Okay, so Mike, let me stay with you, wrap things up. Dallas, San Francisco, Cowboys come off a complete effort outside of uh, field goal carrier, extra point kicking. Uh, they were pretty solid. Defense stepped up, but that was against a team that was very inconsistent all year and banged up. Injury-wise, and a 45-year-old quarterback, they got after Brady big time. I know he put up a lot of garbage yards, but uh, very effective on defense with Micah Parsons and Van Der Esch and company. I thought Dallas played a great game. Now, can they duplicate it? They're plus four. They're in San Francisco. Totals 46. Uh, up to 10-mile-an-hour winds, but 55 degrees and uh, no rain in the, in the forecast. Where are you on this one? I laid three and a half with the Niners. I just think they're too strong. Like you said, Dallas beat a team that had a bad season, an old quarterback on his way out, in my mind, Brady. So I, you know, I'm not that impressed with what they did there. The Niners have at least four, five, four guys. At least you could hand them the ball or throw it to them. They go 80 yards with no problem. I think Shanahan allowed Coach McCarthy, which shouldn't be any surprise to a lot of people that know football. And, you know, they're at home. They've won a bunch of games in a row. I know Purdy's a rookie quarterback, but the kid plays 
with confidence. He played over 40 college games. It's not like he's, you know, was sitting on a bench somewhere doing nothing. So, uh, no, I just like the Niners because uh, Micah Parson and uh, Vanderus would have to have the games that are life, and so would Prescott. And I don't see it happening. Prescott's another guy under pressure, makes mistakes. So I like the line, the Niners a lot in this game. AI? I like what the 49ers have done. If you look at the first half, they've played 18 games now. Games 1 through 9, 6 interceptions thrown. Games 10 through 18, only 3. Uh, fumbles lost, 7 in the first 9 games, just 1 since then. Uh, defensively, they recovered 7 fumbles in the first half of the season, 14 in the second half. Uh, I'm sorry, those are interceptions. Three fumbles recovered in the first half, eight in the second half. They have basically improved in the mo- in one is most important aspect of the game, and that's turnovers. And those are dramatic changes. I like everything Dallas does. These teams match up very evenly statistically in most categories. The one edge the, cow- the uh, 49ers have, rushing defense. Dallas is pretty good rushing defense, 129 yards per game, 4.4 yards per rush. San Francisco, 79 yards per game. 3.4 yards per rush, and I think the 49ers, because of their strong run defense, they're going to force Prescott into making some mistakes because I don't know how much Dallas is going to have success running the football. All right, uh, Mike Scali, best bet? Niners, minus 3.5. Andy? Same game, minus 3.5. You guys are on the same page, man. I swear, you're both sitting on the same side. Uh, if you were taking a test, you would definitely be accused of cheating, both of you. But I- you're out. Done. I'm, ra- I'm rarely, I'm rarely in agreement with Andy on everything. Sometimes we, did, some. we agreed mostly last week. So, yeah. but I mean, at yeah, this last time of the year, we were. At, remember, at this time of the year, teams are supposedly playing their best football, trying to win, as opposed to mid-season games where they may take some quarters off. And as opposed to Arizona State, who did not score in the last three minutes and forty seconds, they lose to UCLA seventy-four to sixty-two. The game was sixty-five sixty-two, and they go down by twelve. San Fran beat Pacific by twenty-one. Uh, Santa Clara up five, five ten to go over BYU. St. Mary's won by 29 at Pepperdine, and Stanford up 18 with a minute to go. Second half against Oregon State. Golden Knights lose three to two to the Red Wings, and uh, that's a tough one to swallow. They're just not playing well at home. Dallas four nothing lead the Kings five minutes to go, and Seattle held on beat Jersey four to three. Kraken playing good solid hockey, and uh, that is it outside of the uh, NBA games. Those two finals against Sixers won by 10 at Portland. And the Suns held off the Nets by five in Phoenix. Till tomorrow night on a Friday football fiasco. You know the rules. No drinking and driving. No texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Vegas Sports X Radio. I'm Ken Thompson. I've enjoyed it. God bless. Good night, everybody.